And now, on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to We're Watching Here. We're Watching Here. This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Wesley Snipes to my Woody Harrelson. And yeah, I'm picking a very random reference to the Oscars, but no more random than the choice to have that moment at the Oscars. Perry (laughs) Cyber. And I hear I just wanted to be the beacon of love to your G.I. Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, but then you might have had to leave some fresh prints across my face. (laughs) We'll be getting to that, I'm sure. We are going to get to that. We are going to be talking the winners. We're going to be talking the show. We're going to be talking last night's Oscars. And uh, I'm excited about doing this. We do this every year. I was telling you right before we started recording, I feel like this recording is my reward for sitting through that show last (laughs) night. Um, So we're going to get into that in just a moment. But Perry, how are you doing? I am great. I am great. I am. Uh, I am back from a family vacation. Me and the uh, the the nuclear family got to spend four fabulous. Well, it's one whole fabulous week in New York City. Oh, nice! Uh, nice. And uh, we'll be getting into uh, we'll, we'll be getting into more details of that in a moment. Chris, how are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Um, shortly after we recorded our last episode, we took a vacation of our own. Uh, we did Universal Studios, so uh, that was nice. It was just my wife and I, and I think it was the the first trip that we have taken just the two of us for that amount of time in nine years. Nice. So it, it was nice. We uh, stayed in a nice hotel, um, you know, nice restaurants there. My big mistake was my son was going to miss us. So I told him, I'm like, well, you know, Universal Studios, it's a little different than Disney. It's a little more uh, grown up. But, you know, you have Facebook Messenger. I'll send you some pictures. And then the whole week I'm sending him pictures of, oh, here's a transformer. Here's a dinosaur. Here's here's wizards. And just like I realized about halfway through, I'm probably taunting him. You just um, torture him. Yeah. That's... yeah. So uh, but it was fun. It was a, it was a good trip. Um, <laughs> so we're back. We're rested. And uh, yeah, yeah, things are good. And um, let's just jump right into it. What have you been watching, Perry? Well, because I spent the week in New York, there was not a lot of movie watching, but there was, for the first time in my life, Broadway play going. Ooh. I had never been to a Broadway play, and we took in four over the course of that week. Oh, wow. And the one I am most excited to talk about was the last one, the one I was most excited to see. So I got to go to the historic Circle in the Square Theater to see uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Rockwell do David Mamet's American Buffalo. Oh, wow. <laughs> the wow. first play he won the Pulitzer Prize for. He has two, you know. And it was uh, everything I hoped it would be and more. Uh, I will tell you that Sam Rockwell is as good live and in person as you might expect. Mm. <laughs> because every instinct he has to go really big on screen is absolutely wonderful in the theater. <laughs> that, that, that would be a really good lineup. Those two. Uh, what were the other three? Uh, the other three, we saw Six, the musical about the six wives of King Henry VIII, done as a, it's done like a pop concert. The idea okay. is it envisions each of the wives, uh, each of the wives is sort of based on a, an amalgamation of two different pop stars, female pop stars. And uh, they each sing a song in a style like as a fusion of those two pop stars that's about their life with king hmm. henry and it's sort of uh the premise the very slight premise is that it's sort of like uh an american idol competition to see who had the worst uh, marriage 
to him. <laughs> That's the very loose premise to play nine really entertaining songs. Uh, very good show. Enjoyed that tremendously. Wow. Took in the most touristy thing possible, which is to see Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker do Plaza Suite. Oh. I, I have gotten to see Matthew Broderick do Neil Simon on Broadway now. That feels like the bucket list got a little shorter. Uh, that was hugely entertaining. Uh, and then we took we went to see uh, Tess's favorite musical, which is Hades Town. Okay, I've I, heard that one's good. I did not know as well as the others. I knew I knew a couple of songs because she's played it a great deal. Um, which is. Uh, it's surprising how effective it is. It's one of those things where on paper, you can't believe this is as good as it is. And it's very entertaining and very well done. I, that one came through Detroit recently and yeah. we didn't get to go see it, but I've heard great things about that one. Well, good. That's fun. I, gosh, we don't get to the theater near as much as I would like to, but uh, man, that, that, that would be good. We got to go to one Broadway show once in my life. We saw, went all the way to Broadway to see Chicago. Um, which was really go good. Wrong, seeing Chicago. On no, Broadway. it was really no, good. Just, yeah, it was. Really it's good. still playing there, just so you know. It's, I bet it is. It was playing. It the, in, I think it was playing even before the movie came out. It's been playing that long. Yes, it, they say they say it's been there for twenty five years. It's the longest running American musical now on Broadway, which means it surpassed a chorus line, which was wow. grand for seventeen some odd years, I think originally. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm jealous of that. That's a good trip. I'm glad you guys had a good time. It was. I've seen a lot. I'm trying to think of what I'd want to talk about. Um, I can tell you, go over to Cinema Nerds. I'm writing for a site called Cinema Nerds now, and you can read. Um, I have thoughts on the new Pixar movie, Turning Red, which I really liked. Sure. Um, the Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas film, A Deep Water, which is trash that knows it's trash and is kind of fun. Um, so I read all about this movie when it came out and and I had no interest. And then I found out it was Adrian Lyne. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was Adrian Lyne. So now I'm kind of like, well, I might turn this on. I might want to see what, well, I, I obviously he hasn't changed after a 20 year layoff. So I'm happy to see Adrian Lyne's trash. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, when's the last time you saw like a mainstream erotic thriller? Um, yeah. Right on Hulu. Anymore. Yeah. You know, that is the thing though, is that on Hulu, it just kind of feels like a really arty Skinamax movie. Uh, <laughs> like, like, well, if it had been in theaters, maybe people would have talked more about it. But nine and a half weeks is nothing more than a very extended episode of Red Shoe Diaries when it comes right down to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, it's trash that knows it's trash. And Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas, they like they know exactly what they're playing to. It's, <laughs> it, it's fun to watch them. Um, and coming to Netflix on Friday uh, is a new movie from a director uh, I know we both like. Uh, Richard Linklater has a new one coming out, uh, Apollo 10 and a half. And uh, I had the opportunity. I saw that last week. My review went live today, but I'll talk about that. Um, that's a nice little movie. Like, that's the, 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 you know, and, and that sounds almost like a pejorative, but I don't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just, it's another one of his animated movies. It has that same rotoscope feel. Uh, and it really is just, a grown man who is uh, Jack Black narrating is looking back on his life in Houston in, during the summer of 1969. So right. growing up there, epicenter of the space race and what it was like. And it is really a 90 minute, you know, when I was your age story. Um, but it's everything Linklater does so well. It's just a very specific look at a time and place. The rotoscope is really fun to watch, really inventive. Jack Black is a really good narrator for something like this. Uh, 
yeah it, it, it's charming i i was not a fan of um where'd you go bernadette it was a real oh, disappointment for me i was Blanchett, who I, I i'm the like. only person who really I liked that movie i think lot. you are yeah I, I, yeah and so i was really hoping he would turn it around and this is you know this is what he does very well and uh this will be on netflix on friday uh they actually have two movies by directors i like yes they have friday. a new uh they have a new jet apatow correct they do <laughs> uh, i i may not be at liberty to talk about that one right now well i'm not asking you to talk about the movie i just make sure okay. that's right right the, yes it the is Apatow opens the first of the month yes yes it does april 1st on netflix Excellent. so yeah that's what we've been watching but let's talk about what we've been watching more recently and by that just I mean, last night just last we night just last night just last night i don't think it went into this morning but uh pretty late oh, last night it went into it went into this morning somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh and that is last night's oscars um yeah, there's a lot to unpack about last night's Oscars, uh, from the winners to the show to the slap heard around the world. Um, <laughs> but I think a good way to maybe get into it is we talked last year about the Soderbergh produced Oscars. Yes. And I think I, I feel like we're in the minority on this, but I remember we both really liked that ceremony. I, I like that ceremony tremendously. It's everything mm-hmm. I want in an Oscar show. It's about movie people celebrating movie people. And you can tune in if you want or not. This was obviously the revenge of the mouse. This was mm-hmm. ABC's attempt to make what they think people want to watch. Whew. And I realized we could fix the Oscars real quickly if we just have ABC stop telecasting it. If we just take Disney out of the equation, I think things would improve dramatically. Um, I will say that uh, on the, uh, I will give you my, my biggest best surprise about the show itself and then the worst surprise about the show itself. Sure. The worst, the worst thing and the thing that made me scream at least half a dozen times on my TV last night, just bring back Steven Soderbergh, was the angle they chose to shoot the acceptance speeches yes. from. Yes. Oh my God, that was awful. It's like, it, it's, it's not even tilted up, it's just low height. It, they didn't tell the camera, I don't think. I think they were shooting straight, but the pe- it was very low. So the people at the camera were looming over you. And then there was like 50 feet of stage behind them. So they mm-hmm. seemed even bigger and more, and not in a good way, not in a way they were filling up the room, but in a way like you were oppressing the camera. I was tired of looking at all of them by the end of the speech. Just a terrible technical artistic decision that yes. was repeated time after time at least and i i know this is going to sound weird this is this is this sounds like the woody allen such terrible food in such small portions but uh during ariana debose's speech anybody else notice they didn't stop cutting every five seconds they cut to a different angle like from that original horrible angle they just kept cutting around to the point that it chopped up her speech it was a terrible disservice to her uh, and uh, then they stopped doing that. And I don't know which I like better, having to watch the one ugly shot or watch a lot of shots that I would like them to stop making. That said, I will tell you the thing that surprised me. Mm-hmm. I was okay with how they handled the ones they gave out ahead of time. I, they did the things I wanted them to do, which was to say every nominee's name mm-hmm. and to present the full speech of the winner. They need to do two things to stop that, to, to make it totally acceptable to me. Because it's not quite acceptable, but they're going to get there. The first is, you don't get to tweet out the winners then. Yes. Yep. You don't get to do that. You can ask everybody in the room not to, and guess what? Somebody will. Tough. That was your call for choosing to give these out early. 
<laughs> you don't you don't get to do you don't get to control this anymore. So stop giving it out because some of us like to watch for the surprise of who's going to win. And mm-hmm. while I didn't watch, I didn't look ahead. I didn't know. I was happy to be surprised in the moment. They ruined it in a way I couldn't even have imagined late in the show when they handed out the hair and makeup award just before best actress. Oh, and that felt incredibly timed. Okay. In order to give I didn't catch that. Eyes of Tammy Faye won for the pre pre given out makeup and hair awards right before best actress. And that felt like that felt like tipping the hand. Oh, that was, that was really problematic to me. I'm like, no, you need to tell me when those are coming. Otherwise, this feels like you've produced this to a point that I don't like. And in that way, that always looks like, oh, watch the Grammys, a person performs, then they win. Oh, watch the Grammys, a person performs, and then they win. That was, that was very off-putting for something that I thought would be an utter disaster that actually wasn't. Yeah, I don't have a problem in theory with them handling it that way. Like you said, as long as they name all the nominees and you see the speech, you're still celebrating that movie. You're still giving those people that moment. Um, there was something weird. I, I didn't notice it on all the pre-taped, but it seemed for a second, and maybe it was just the way they were cutting, like they were almost running the names of the nominees at one and a half speed. Let's get through this. Let's get through this. Yeah, like, that's what it felt like. Like, and, like the movies at the end, the credits at the end of a TNT movie. Yes. Or, just, like how I watch a YouTube show, basically. <laughs> like, like it felt like just really sped up. And I don't know if they sped up it. I don't think they did that. I think it's just the rhythm of going from there's a certain rhythm when you're reading those out live and they were just cutting in between names to maybe cut out applause or something. But uh, I, I noticed that um, the thing I don't get, their choice was to first off, keep the show shorter, which didn't happen. No, but the desire is always, how are we going to draw in the people who are not the movie nerds, right? Just the general audiences. And the thing is, is the movie that was nominated for the most Oscars and won the most Oscars during those, uh, those portions was the highest grossing movie of all the best picture best nominees. nominees. Yeah. And also not televising. Did they show Sam Jackson's speech at all? No, that was a big complaint I had. They did. They showed nothing from the governor's which, ball, which was, is, and I've heard that his speech was incredibly, uh, was uh, very moving. And I heard that uh, Elaine may just killed was absolutely hysterical. And so I need to go find those. And maybe that was all part of their plan to get me to the Academy website. I don't know. It's just such a crazy decision because first off, I mean, if the whole night is a celebration of movies, celebrate the legends who you're honoring and you can't tell me we could have lost, you know, one of those, all of those fan favorite awards and accommodated that. Um, but also, again, you want to draw in the more general audiences. Samuel Jackson is in two or three of the highest grossing movie franchises. Yes. He's in Star Wars and the Marvel Universe. He is not like some esoteric inaccessible figure everyone knows who he is why would you not have that up front i don't i don't know yeah that that baffled me it's a terrible terrible choice they're (sighs) obviously comfortable with pre-taped moments being in the show why Mm. not that one yeah and i mean you, you can't tell me samuel jackson would not give a great speech like everyone be tuning in to see you know, is he going to be sincere? Is he going to drop a few F-bombs? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, like 
every every single like special event they went to instead just fell completely flat for me too. Like it's the 50th anniversary of the Godfather. Yeah. And they they bring out Francis Ford Coppola, Al Pacino. For some reason, Robert De Niro, who's not in the specific movie they're honoring that night. No, but the montage clip was all three films. To be sure. fair, they were celebrating the history of the series. But you have P. Diddy introduce it. Who Don't does understand not understand that. what the movie's about, first of all. <laughs> Let's get real clear. Mm-hmm. That introduction showed no understanding what that movie's actually about. Remix the music. Yeah, which I didn't get. And then barely let Francis Ford Coppola or Al Pacino speak. Well, first of all, De Niro wasn't going to speak. De Niro doesn't want to speak that that De Niro was there was epic. Honestly, Mm -hmm. that was that was huge that he was just there. I don't think any of them really wanted to. And I, for those of you who know your Oscar history, I was overjoyed then at the sheer harmony of Liza Minnelli presenting Best Picture because People don't remember this or know this. The Godfather only won three Oscars in 1972. Cabaret won eight. Cabaret was the big winner in the 1972 Oscars. Godfather won Best Picture, but it wasn't a sure thing by the end of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was uh, that was kind of cool. I was I was happy to see Liza Minnelli out there, even if it brought back you know horrific flashbacks of 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 of, of La La Land winning. <laughs> not winning i so wanted the writers to be bright enough to have her say la la land that would have been really really funny but no they no one was working that hard no no one was working that hard it it was a very sweet moment at the end of the night to watch her and lady gaga together yes that was sweet that moved me um because i think they're genuinely affectionate and like each other and that, that was good um yeah the uh james bond franchise hosted by extreme sports fanatics which by the way you just wait a few years and those three would have made sense to host the 25th retrospective of triple x i i thought since we were doing all reunions i assumed this was going to be some sort of jackass tribute i, I really wish. did that's what i was hoping for and i would have loved that 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 would have been, i saw jackass forever and it's fantastic but uh if you yeah, if you'd had any of those guys out there and do some giant incredible physical prank where they get hurt, yeah, you'd win over that crowd in a minute, man. Yep, that would be yep. good. Um, but instead, you know, you get the YouTube supercut of James Bond, which I like James Bond, but I don't need to have five minutes of a James Bond montage. Uh, it was fine. <sighs> I didn't hate the montage. It was it was fine. I did hate the Pulp Fiction reunion. Oh. It- I at least thought it was one of the only things that was actually kind of funny and playful. And they seemed to really like being there and being with each other. I was okay with it, honestly. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It wasn't wasn't great or necessary, but it was, I mean, the people from Juno hadn't seen each other since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure, let's put it this way. I would never, I, I would have bet my children if you told me that the first standing ovation for the night was going to be for the 30th anniversary of white men can't jump. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that it would happen at the Oscars that anybody would care about the 30th anniversary of white men can't jump. And I like white men can't jump. I think it's a funny movie. Uh, Who cares that it's 30 years old? Although it did lead to what I think was the best impromptu line of the night, which was Woody Harrelson (laughs) talking about how I've been nominated three times. These are the most words I've spoken at the Oscars. (laughs) They were were fun to watch. That was funny. That was funny. I liked watching them. Uh, well, you bring up the whole Disney thing of the show. 
I mean, I think it's no coincidence that, you know, you have White Men Can't Jump, which is a 20th century Fox movie, which is now a Disney movie. Uh, so you, you pull them out. Juno is a Fox searchlight. Now it's a Disney movie. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so calculated. Like, just God. ABC it, needs to stop telecasting this. this I would love to see. To they need to stop having Disney be a part of this. Yeah. I, I would love to see, you know, I heard someone toss this out. Let Netflix do it. Let, uh, you know, I, I don't know, though. Ooh. I'm, so, I'm, I'm That's coming from would they ever let that happen? That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think they would. But God, I can't think of anywhere. I, I don't well, know. But the, Disney is just. Here's the thing where I here's from a business standpoint, what I found most fascinating about Coda winning is apparently they're okay with Apple. (laughs) Netflix doesn't have a Best Picture winner. Amazon doesn't have a Best Picture winner. And I'm going to assume that's because deep in their hearts, they know that those two companies exist because they were built off all of their labor. Apple at least is out making their own movies without any regard for what anybody else is doing. (laughs) They're kind of actually a studio (laughs) that, that doesn't owe anything to the other studios. And so maybe they'd let Apple do it. Maybe it's kind of weird though. When you think like even Netflix puts its movies out for some sort of theatrical run, like some sort of really small theatrical run, but Apple doesn't really do that. Like I think I read Coda is the first movie to ever win best picture that has no box office recorded. Like it, cause it didn't play anywhere. I looked it up and I, I saw a number that said 1.1 million. Maybe, maybe it's so get like it, a cursory well, it, would run. Ha- it would have to to qualify for the Oscars. You, I yeah, still okay. think you had to play for a week somewhere. So okay. it, it was there, but it certainly wasn't wide. And we can, well, should we complain about, should, should I offer my alternatives now about CODA or should we wait for later? Let's we get to the winners now? later. Let's keep okay. talking about the show. All right. We might feel the same way about the best picture winner and, um, we can get into that in a few minutes. Okay. How did you feel about the hosts? <laughs> that the show occasionally remembered those, it had. All of those people who were dying to have hosts back should have to sit through this show. <laughs> I, there's no need to have a host at the Oscars. If you're going to have a host at the Oscars, have one. Have them mm-hmm. be somebody funny. Not three people who are funny. And they were all fu- I don't think any of them were terrible. No, honestly, I, I don't, and I don't dislike any of them. I like some of them more than others. Um, I found it, I thought it was pointless and a waste of time. I really enjoyed Regina King's bit about calling out the handsome dudes to uh, to do the personal COVID test with her tongue. That was really funny to me. That that worked. That's a funny joke in the room. That's a funny joke at home. Uh, it's a very smart turning of uh, let's have some really handsome guys up on stage. Uh, I liked I liked all of that a lot, and that was about the only thing that any of those hosts did that I thought was memorable or or laughed at. And not that I thought they were bad; it was just this is what they do, and that's fine. Wanda Sykes, I don't know why Wanda Sykes was there or why she agreed to do it. She's yeah. not. That's just not her scene. Uh, I understand why you do the remote at the Academy Museum. I get it. You want to promote the Academy Museum. And I'm actually fine with that. That doesn't bother me. The bit was short. That's fine. Uh, I will take that over. Uh, you know, there were no there were no atrocious dance sequences. 
that was always nice to see. And the one dance sequence was really good. The performance from Encanto was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for Lin-Manuel Miranda to win an Oscar. I'm stunned he didn't win for that, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm shocked, except for the fact that the last three times a Bond theme has been nominated, it's won. I'm still stunned, it, honestly, especially with Tick, Tick, Boom being as well-liked as it was. I, I just, I can't believe he didn't get, they didn't throw him just winning the Encanto song just for that as well. He would have egot last night had he won. Oh, oh, I've been sitting on this fact every year, Chris. Oh, okay. He will be the first golden genius EGOT. That's right. He's that? got a Golden Globe, an EGOT, and a MacArthur Grant. Oh, geez. He's the only one who will have all of those. Oh, what about a Pulitzer, too? Because he has a Pulitzer. That's true. There can't be many of those. That's a good one. I should follow yeah. that up, too. That doesn't uh, sound as good, though, as a Golden Genius EGOT. That, that sounds really good. A but then you got a Genius EGOT puts Pulitzer. No, that's bad. I mean, then you got to acknowledge that the Golden Globes are a thing. And I think people. Well, they were. That, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a good joke. That was yeah, a good I, Golden, jokes, Golden Globes joke. So I thought like the first, I, I, you can't even call it a monologue because it was all three of them it's together. It's a trialogue. Yes, yeah, it's a trialogue. That, didn't, that didn't do anything for me. But I thought Amy Schumer's, uh, the first time she was out there by herself was really funny. There was, I you might not have liked it, but uh, that uh, don't look up joke was pretty solid. Don't look up yeah. the reviews. Yeah, but, it's fine. It's 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 a joke that any host would have done. Yes, yeah. You know, like, like that's what I'm saying. But none of them brought a point of view to it, you know. And I'm judging that based on the other hosts in history who I remember. You know, Chris Rock's monologue a few years ago was the best thing you'll ever see a host do. And I'm not saying it was a great Oscar monologuing job. I'm saying mm-hmm. it's a it was a brilliant stand up short stand up set done at the Oscars. He was not trying to win over that crowd as an Oscar host. He was doing material and really strong material about movies and about culture. Uh, If you're not going to do that, then either get somebody who is going to just, this is what I don't understand. They want it both. They don't understand what they want, right? They, they want people to want to tune in and they think they will tune in if they make fun of the movies, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> yeah. I, they want to punctuate the pump, the supposed pomposity of it all, but you can only do that so far. And so I don't understand how to hit that tone unless you're Billy Crystal, who's having such a good time performing that you get sucked into this and you realize it's very much playful. There's no teeth on any of those jokes from Billy Crystal. And so I don't know who's left that can deliver that. I don't know who can deliver that with a straight face, who can be that performative yeah. and make it that much fun while not making fun of it, or at least being able to take it lightly without skewering it. And they, know, you know, none of the jokes last night found that, found that place for me. Some of the ones that took bigger swings did outside of the movie business, I thought worked, but all the people that were there were just cutting it. I mean, who, any of those people would kill to be in the next movie he makes. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. So it's like, well, then who is that for? Yes. Yeah. Who tuning in, who's tuning in for the Oscars, who didn't want to watch Don't Look Up, wants to hear a joke about how nobody watched Don't Look Up. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that audience is. I don't think they do either. Uh, <laughs> no, obviously. 
I would have like I remember hearing um you know and, and it would have made sense because Disney owns Hulu. I remember people tossing out there uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, and I, I that would have at least been entertaining. And I've always liked it when Steve Martin's hosted in the past. Uh, you say that people think that, and nobody—that's because nobody remembers when Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin did it. It wasn't very good. Oh, that <laughs> Steve is true. Steve Martin doing it alone is great. I agree. But I—that's—I I, when his co-hosts worked ever, ever. Yeah. It's never yeah. worked. It's a terrible idea. Have no host. Have um, an MC if you care to just put a different tag on it. Who says some welcome open gives an opening monologue that is opening remarks, not a comedy bit. Just says something. You know, sends a few jokes, says some nice things, introduces everybody, and then just have the voiceover announce who's coming up to speak next. And they at least didn't break my one cardinal rule, which is never spend time introducing somebody who comes out just to spend time then introducing somebody <laughs> else. That used to drive me crazy. Yeah. And I'm glad they that that was at least avoided. Well, I liked it last year when it was just kind of it wasn't even a host. It was just person would come up and take two or three awards, hand it off to another person. And it just it moved so quick. And yeah, I really liked last year's. It was just casual. It moved fast. It it was intimate. Yeah. Yeah. This just felt, this felt like the same Oscars I was watching in like 1990 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, aside from the fact that we didn't have the speed force in 1990 and um, Perry, have you, have you entered the speed force? Were, were you on board <laughs> with that pick for the, the greatest movie moment, not of the year, but of all time, of, of all time from a movie um, that doesn't even technically exist, isn't even technically a real movie. I, uh, you know, here's here's what's really gross and horrible to me about this. They don't care. No, the Academy doesn't care. And ABC doesn't care. So this will probably happen again. Like it's all they all think it's good because they all think it's that people talking about the Oscars. And so. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't even know. I don't even know how ABC makes out well on that because I'm sure their big hope was that greatest movie of the year, greatest movie of all time, Spider-Man, you know, and Spider-Man like places like fourth or third. And then you get the whole like Snyder bros and that Cinderella thing, which I've seen five minutes of and is not good. Uh, The Johnny Depp one, which I don't know. even think that really exists. I think that is a 30 rock movie. This is it is the prequel to the Rocher. That'd be good. Yes, I would. I would. I would actually want. Or it's, it's part of the, the Jonas Jorplin biopic. I forget what name they landed on with that. Oh, love those. Love the Thirty Rock movies. I loved Thirty Rock. Um, we'll talk about the winners in just a second. We probably need to spend a few minutes on the Will Smith Chris Rock thing. Right. Um. I will just, I will say this will be my seeg into it because this is what I kept thinking. So I was watching this uh, actually in a movie theater with a bunch of people last night. And I'm sure just like everyone else, there was this, just this confusion. Was this real, right? Like everyone was asking that. But here's the thing. The way it played out and the way that show was going all night, it could have been a really badly directed comedy bit and it would have still made sense within the context of last night's show. Like, like that's why I was so baffled because I'm like, well, that looks real. And it, it was delivered very strangely. So I think it was very impromptu, but 
this whole show's been bad, so maybe they thought it was funny. Um, and then you'd very quickly realize, no, he, you know, the eventual best actor winner uh, went up and slapped a presenter. Um, yeah. Yeah. We watched a crime. Yes. We watched someone be assaulted in front of 50 million people at home and however many people can be crammed into the Kodak theater. I, it was, um, I had the same reaction. I didn't want to Facebook about it at first because I wasn't sure if it was real or not. And then as soon as you could lip read him dropping F-bombs at his seat, mm-hmm. that's how I'm like, no, this wasn't planned. And, and the silence no that followed. Yeah. Well, but but they cut the sound out. So I <laughs> oh, that's know. Too. Yeah. That was part of it. It's like, well, what you cut the sound. So somebody swore. I mean, I, I realized right away that had to have happened. And then I'm like, okay, is the sound going to come back? And then within a few minutes, I had a friend tweet, somebody found on Twitter a, a live feed of it, I think from Australian TV. Mm-hmm. And you, once you see it and you can hear the slap, it's yeah. like, it's like, what, what, what is this? There's no way. And, and let's, kudos to chris rock for being the ultimate professional not just being a better man and a better person and not doing anything other than saying it was a joke like not to not you know continue in a fist fight with will smith uh to not escalate the situation whatsoever to then present the award this all happened before he presented the award. He was out there present. <laughs> and he made a joke. He recovered with a joke really quickly. Like, oh, it's the best yeah. night of TV. And then after he, after uh, the winner is giving this speech, I think it was for best documentary. And by the way, aside, Chris Rock made a great documentary called Good Hair. Really check it out, people. Okay. Uh, that he, You could see him looking around at people around him like, what just happened? What, mm-hmm. what was that? Which then you know, it's like, oh, this is real because he's not that good an actor. That happened. <laughs> It was genuine. And then it was like, well, what? Now we're just waiting to see what the reaction is going to be, right? What's yeah. he going to say in his speech? And Will Smith utterly blew it. That's, yes. That is an atrocious speech on so many levels at that point. Um, and, and I will give, I will, I will, uh, forgive is not the right word. I will not blast it as fully as I might because Will Smith obviously understood that and whatever he was planning to say, he realized he couldn't say. Mm -hmm. And I think what came out was the sort of weird mix of trying to recognize what happened and wedge that into things he was going to say that he had planned to say, you know, he opened with what was to me just malignant narcissism of uh, I am so in awe of what God has asked me to be in this moment, which is just frightening a way to start that speech, whether or not there had, what had just happened had just happened, uh, to lead into apologizing to the Academy and his fellow nominees, which I'm assuming was a leftover from his original plan to thank his fellow nominees. And so mm-hmm. that just ended up there. Um, to declaring that he wanted to be a, a what was it? A what of love? A I beacon of love. Beacon, beacon of love. <sighs> Beacons of love apologize to people they've hurt, <laughs> which he did not do. Um, and then he managed to ramble for over six minutes, which is only a minute less than the longest Oscar speech ever given, which was by Greer Garson, if you like your Oscar history. That speech <laughs> was seven minutes. Last night's was six. Um, that was terrible. That was a terrible speech. 
Um, it was, a, there was no real apology to anybody who needed to be apologized to. Uh, certainly if you're going to apologize to the Academy, you do it after you apologize to Chris Rock. Uh, it was a textbook example of uh, toxic masculinity on display. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there's no other, there's no other phrase for it. That is what that is. Um, to commit an act of violence, cry about it and say, love makes you do crazy things is the talk of an abuser. Yes. I'm not saying he beats people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this is disturbing at a lot of levels for a lot of people. Uh, and I am intrigued by the fact that Monday morning, the Academy has announced they're investigating. And I am curious what kind of stand they wish to take on this. And I'm curious how quickly that will lead to a very public apology uh, from Will Smith to Chris Rock. Well, right before you logged on to the Zoom call, I did see he has apologized to Chris Rock on Instagram. Uh, he, he has. Oh, written, that counts. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it was, God, it, it was such a weird moment. Um, what it kept, what I kept thinking back to, uh, I just earlier this year, I read Will Smith's autobiography. Um, don't know that I recommend that to anyone, um, but, uh, you know, I like Will Smith. I, I've, 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 I've tended to like Will Smith. Like I was the right age for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Independence Day and Men in Black and all those I like him. I've been rooting for him. I didn't love King Richard, but I liked his performance. And, you know, so I was going into the night being like, you know, I'd be okay if Will Smith won this. He, that's, a, that's a good performance. And I like Will Smith. What I kept thinking about was a few minutes from his uh, book, though, like passages from his book. Have you read his autobiography? I haven't, but I heard okay. him interview interviews about it. So, okay, please go ahead. So it does provide a little bit of context. Um, he speaks at length about watching his mother be abused by his father and how he never stood up to defend her. And he always felt he was weak for not defending her. And you can almost see the gears turning when he laughs at the joke first, because that's what few people bring up is that he laughed at that joke when Chris Rock said it. And then you notice Jada didn't. And it was kind of that, oh shit, I gotta, you know, I gotta react somehow. And I could almost see that as an overcompensation, which no way makes it right. That is assault. Chris Rock made a dumb joke. It wasn't even a good joke. But I would not even be surprised if that was not Chris Rock's joke. It was someone scribbling it down, you know, on on the way out and didn't do their due diligence to, you know, understand that Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and has talked about that very publicly. But whatever, you handle it a different way. You speak to Chris Rock after you, you know, you yell back at a comedian, right? That you heckle him if you need to. I don't, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. You don't walk up on stage and assault a man. Um, but you do throughout the autobiography start to see that Will Smith has a temper and oh, yeah. he, he talks about how, when he was doing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he threatened an NBC executive to a fight because they gave him notes. Um, and he recognizes that's a part of it, but it doesn't appear to be a part he's gotten under control. Um, but then the other thing I kept thinking of is there's a whole story where he talks about, I think it was Jada's 40th or 50th birthday. Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure how old she is, but it was a big birthday for her. And he threw this lavish birthday party, rented out a hotel for the entire weekend, 
flew in hundreds of her friends, brought in her favorite artists to give give everyone lessons, commissioned a documentary about her uh, to show at a theater. And she tears him down because it's like, that's the most hubristic thing I've ever seen. I don't need you to make a show. And I kept thinking about that. Like, she doesn't need Will Smith to go up and slap Chris Rock. Jada Pinkett Smith is in a heavy metal band. She's kind of a badass and can take care of herself. She doesn't need him fighting her battles. Um, Yeah. And then the speech just, well, actually, even before the speech, it was the shots to him when people would make the awkward jokes about it and how quickly he just returned back to, you know, smiling, laughing Will Smith. Yes. Like that was chilling. Like I would be like, I got to duck out until best actor because I got to compose myself and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Well, and it's so by all accounts, what it was Denzel and I believe uh, 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 Bradley Cooper. I think you're right. Hold him aside and talk Mm -hmm. to him, talk to him after the incident, but before he won and he stood up there and then quoted what Denzel told him, which was in your highest moment. That's when devil, that's when the devil comes for you. Mm -hmm. And Will Smith called it advice, and I don't think Will Smith understood what that was. <laughs> that was not advice. That was an admonishment. Yeah. I don't think he got that. Um, it was awful. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was bad because it also laid bare for me what was what is wrong at the center of that movie, which is it doesn't really deal <laughs> with with richard williams either mm-hmm. in the way it should it almost does it, uh, it 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 addresses it without dealing with it at all characters bring it up the, but the movie doesn't engage it right that's what except for there's one scene that addresses it head on and it's only addressed in terms of being married mm-hmm. it doesn't address it in any other capacity and that's disappointing because it would make for a better movie mm-hmm. and i think i like the movie more than you did i think that movie is completely compellingly wa- it's the best edited film of the year i'm not joking that film flows like nothing i saw all year it is really a well edited movie well made everybody's good in it it's entirely watchable it just avoids the things that would be most interesting and are most difficult to deal with which is why it's disappointing yeah. which seems to be where the academy wants to be this year so we've talked about will smith and this is a good way to seek into he won best actor so let's talk about the winners and let's right. start at the top because I think we'll have a lot flow from this choice at the top. Um, so the best picture of 2021 is Coda. Yes. Um, I think we talked about Coda on the last episode very briefly. Uh, I, I talked I about had not it. seen it at that point. Mm-hmm. I have seen it since. Okay. Well, so. they have my thoughts on record. What did you think <laughs> of Coda, Perry? I think uh coda is this is so hard to do code is code is good code is a movie yes, i can recommend it is a to good anybody movie. it's mm-hmm. a movie i can recommend to anybody it's a thoroughly likable movie and i do not mean for that to sound disparaging in the slightest i would encourage you to see coda if you have not seen coda if i don't know you i would tell you to see coda mm-hmm. it's it's good but man coda winning best picture is living proof why we need to stop the preferential ballot <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the preferential ballot produces a winner that everybody likes and nobody loves. 
Yep. And that's what Coda is. And that's what every film I feel like that has won Best Picture, with the exception of Moonlight, has been since they went to the preferential ballot. Moonlight is the only film I can think of that's won Best Picture that felt like it was truly challenging to its audience. Not that they aren't great. Nomadland is really good. Not that it's easy, not that it's mm-hmm. as, as not, not that it goes down as smoothly as Coda does, but Nomadland lets you live in a world where that whole world is, is good and okay, if you want it to be. And I feel like, I, it's why I'm shocked, and I still have a hard time believing that La La Land didn't win. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I still think of La La Land as have wanting, have, having one best picture that year, because Moonlight is so unlike everything else that's won in the last, I don't know, I'm going to say five years. I, I'm trying to remember the first time they did the preferential ballot. And I, I, was it Shape of Water? Oh, off the top I, of my head, I'm not sure. It's, it's around that time. And so that's what's disappointing to me. I feel like if you've got that preferential ballot and there are two obvious camps, and I'm picking two films. I'm not saying these two films were were these films, I'm just picking them because there were three nominees. If there is a, a small contingent that makes Nightmare Alley was the best thing that's ever been made, and they know that Power of the Dog is probably the favorite, they are going to put Nightmare Alley first, and they're going to put Power of the Dog last because they don't want to give it any preferential treatment. And that's how you end up with something like Coda, which is going to be third, fourth, or fifth on everybody's list, mm-hmm. winning. Yeah. And that's a terrible way to pick the best art. It's a wonderful way to pick your political leaders. We should elect presidents, mayors, governors, and senators this way, but let's not elect the best art this way. No, I'd agree. Um, I would say, I think Parasite was a a good and challenging best pick. Like that was not the movie you would normally pick to win best picture. Um, Uh, Yes. Yeah. I would, I would give I would say Parasite is Yes. Yeah. yeah, Parasite can be talked about that way. There are um, films I liked a lot better than Parasite, even though I think Parasite's very good. Coda is, I, I agree with you. I think it's a good movie. I enjoy it. Like it is, and there are performances and individual aspects of that movie I love. And I think whenever Coda focuses just on the family dynamics, like it's really good. I have an issue with the whole music subplot and that kind of turns into an after school special and Disney movie that just kind of keeps it from feeling special to me. It, it, it's the movie. I feel like I've seen a lot. Oh, you have. Yeah. And the problem is, is when you give a movie like that, that everyone likes, but no one really loves when you give that best picture, I feel like you harm that movie in the long run. Right. Because it just turns into a, that movie that I can't believe they awarded that best picture. Right. Yes. It, People are going to look back at Coda the same way people look back at movies I genuinely like, Green Book or The Artist, which are movies I like. Oh, okay. I, I like those movies, but I actually I don't even know if I saw Green Book. Now that I think about it, The Artist. Uh, I see. I I think, but I think The Artist is a work of love of film, and I don't think that's true of Green Book, and I don't think that's true of Coda. The artist, I, I know people dump on the artist for this for me, but I, I, I disagree. The artist is a movie lover's movie. I get why it wins Best Picture. I, I'm not, I, I have to think about what was nominated to say if I thought it deserved it, but I, I, I think the artist is riotously entertaining. You have to know something about movies to appreciate it. That's why I think it wins. I'm, I'm good with that. Green Book, I, I don't think Coda is as good as Green Book. I don't think Green Book's that great. <laughs> Green Book's fine. I think Green Book has... I think Green Book has more interesting performances in it. That's why I like it. But I think it is a more challenging film 
for the performances than I think Coda, which just goes down so smooth and so sweet and so easy and avoids so much. I, I, it, sound of speed or sound of metal last year was a more challenging film than Coda. yes a hundred percent and and that's the thing it's they both the the loss of hearing aspect of both movies is a hook to do something else and for speed of metal it's to tell a story about addiction which is fascinating mm-hmm. that's a really interesting hook to get to that whereas this is a hook to get to a family story you've seen a million times yes yeah. you they could be italian not speak english they could be any number of things and you would have to change almost nothing to, <laughs> to make that movie play the exact same way. Uh, and that's, again, that's fine. It's a good movie. I recommend the movie. I like the movie. It is perfectly well made. It's just not challenging at all. Yep. I, I think of how I felt at the very end of Power of the Dog. When that movie had been, I, it, it was... I love it when this happens, when there's a movie that I like, but I feel like something needs to come together. Like I like what it's doing, but I'm not sure where it's going. I'm not sure why I like it. And then the final shot of power of the dog just pulls everything together. Like just, just like, Oh my God, this movie is crystal clear to me. I know what it's doing. I love what it's doing. Like power of the dog was the one I was rooting for nightmare alley. I would have been perfectly happy with. I really like nightmare alley. Um, Coda, I just, yeah, it was fine. It's the movie I would recommend my recommend to my parents. Like, yeah, yeah, Coda's good. I will say, um, the you know the best supporting actor for that Troy, I'm blanking on the name. Kutzer, Kutzer, Kutzer. Yes, yes. I have no problem with him winning. That was uh, I, I liked his performance quite a bit, and I was very moved by his speech. Uh, the speech is wonderful. I have no problem with him winning. Uh, if I'm going to, if I'm, look, it's the part that's designed to win an Oscar. It's the part mm-hmm. that's designed to win an Oscar. Whoever played it would have had a good chance of winning an Oscar. That's what it's there to do. So that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with him winning. I would have voted for the kid from Power of the Dog. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe uh, that's that's a performance where I don't like for you that film comes together. You know, it comes together for me in that character. So it's like, oh, I thought I was watching this one type of character study and I was watching this other type of character study the whole time. <laughs> and that's 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 uh, that's praise to that entire film. You know, that's but it, but and then again, again, I'm not knocking the performance. It's great, mm-hmm. but it's designed to win an Oscar. Yeah. OK, it's it's it's. it's perfectly designed to do exactly that as was uh you know as was jessica chastain's work in eyes of tammy faye <laughs> and i think that's a rich and deep part mm-hmm. but it was also designed to win an oscar oh yeah she wanted to win an oscar she got that movie made so she could win an oscar and she did it much like renee zellweger playing judy garland it's designed to win an oscar and i am like, totally fine with jessica chastain doing that because i feel like she should have had an oscar a few times by now but <laughs> I'm glad because I think it's her best work. So I'm yeah. glad she got it for this. Um, I will say when it comes to best picture, there are still two nominees I haven't seen because they became available on streaming, like in the middle of vacations and stuff. So mm-hmm. I still haven't seen Licorice Pizza or um, Drive My Car. They are. I, w- I cannot recommend Drive My Car highly enough to you. It's okay. It's, it's really great. 
It's sitting it's in my HBO queue, but it's very Japanese. Okay. It's very Japanese. And I mean that as a compliment. It is it is slow and distanced and measured, and it is about glacial feelings that you deal with very slowly. I okay. love it. It's really good. Uh did we ever talk? We've never we you should we should you should catch up with Chris Pizza. I should this, catch up with Licorice Pizza. I am really happy Licorice Pizza didn't win anything because I think it would have been a damn shame for Paul Thomas Anderson to win an Oscar for what is his least interesting film. Okay. It's good. It's not interesting. <laughs> I do not understand the love for that movie. And I'm not saying it's bad. I don't understand why people have gone utterly gaga over it. I, it's not. It's personal, which I really like. But, oh, it's. I just found it not he's done this i've seen him do exactly this before it was really simple and easy for him to do bradley cooper's hilarious <laughs> bradley cooper okay. is hilarious in it and everybody's good it's not that i disliked it i just found it like why are you all going nuts over this it's, it's not that charming it's not that sweet I, he did the 70s already in Boogie Nights in the Valley. I don't, what, why, why, why do you feel that he did this again other than it was obviously something he needed to do because it's very personal, but it's, it's not interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I will check it out eventually. I'm always terrified to watch a new Paul Thomas Anderson because there are times like when he, when he, when I connect with one of his movies, I connect really hard. Like I can remember that first viewing of There Will Be Blood just like, yeah, like was like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Boogie Nights, same thing. Sometimes though, his movies totally bounce off me. Um, <laughs> God, I love the performances in The Master. I did not like The Master at all. <laughs> um, yeah, but I will. I will get around to that, especially because I think I paid twenty dollars to rent it and never ended up getting around to watching it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I think it, it was Paul, definitely. Thank you. It was definitely one of those things that I was going to watch on the flight back from Universal Studios that uh, my bad laptop did not let me watch. That's all right. Uh, Any other thoughts on Best Picture? I'm assuming you wanted Don't Look Up to Win. Oh, I wanted Don't Look Up to Win, but I didn't expect it in the the slightest. So I was, you know, by the time it got around to it, it was either going to be Power of the Dog or Coda. And then as Mm -hmm. the night was going on, you realized, oh, it's going to be Coda. Because by you know uh, what once it won the PGA the Producers Guild Award, Coda had won the Producers Guild Award, the Writers Guild, and the Ensemble Award from the Screen Actors Guild, and only one film in history has won all three of those and not won Best Picture, and that was Little Miss Sunshine, which lost because Marty would not be denied for The Departed. Mm. <laughs> that was why, and it it's uh, it's. I, I I still think that that's going to be a choice that people look back on and go, ah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I feel okay. like I would have been saying the exact same thing if Belfast had won, which is... Uh... Oh, abs- Belfast and Licorice Pizza are the same movie to me. Oh, really? They're very personal. They are, the you know, obviously cared for by their directors mm-hmm. um, and just completely didn't connect with me at all. You're like, I'm glad you made that. I yeah. still really like you as a director. You didn't make a bad movie. You just made something so insular that it didn't connect for me. 
it's not, I mean, and at least with Bran, I felt like he hadn't done that before. So it was a little more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I know that he's not a personal filmmaker. And so that was, that was nice to see. Uh, but they're both, uh, you know, licorice pizza, nothing happens. And while that can be incredibly charming, it wasn't for me this time around. And Belfast <laughs> to me just doesn't ever connect what it needs to connect for me the political story never matches up with the family story Mm -hmm. i mean it does it's it's right there but they don't i I, it's something's missing (laughs) nothing feels at stake in that movie for something it was everything should be at stake it was absolutely a movie i sat through and when it was done i said well that's nice and you know i I didn't dislike it. it it felt the same way i feel about coda where i was like yeah, okay. I, I didn't hate that. I enjoyed some of the performances. Yes. Did not think about it much and after at least, I saw it. And at least Coda I can recommend. I don't know that I can recommend Belfast to the average person. I, I don't know that it, they would care. I don't know that it, it can hook that much. I feel like I could do it for Belfast, but that might just be because it's a movie I know my wife would really like. Oh, okay. And I've been recommending it to her. Um, yeah, let's talk about, was Dune the number one rewarded movie of the night? <laughs> Apparently, you can make half a movie and yeah. all the coffee table Oscars. I don't get it. You all know they're making a second one. Can't you just wait and give it to them? Especially when you've got a film as there is no more gorgeous film than Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley deserved every yeah, one of those that, awards. Yes, and so it's like, what are you doing? Why? It's obviously Warner's decided. Well, fuck it. Everybody's voting for this now. Mm-hmm. We're the studio. We're putting our foot down. If you work for us, you're voting for this. This will win because we're a studio and we say so. That's what that felt like to me. And that's, it was so, it made it so boring. It made it so boring for Dune to win all those awards. And Dune is a movie I remember. I liked it a lot. And Dune was on my top 10 list. What am I saying? Yeah, I liked Dune quite a bit, but same thing. Like, okay, they did it. Like, but like you said, it's still half a story. It's half of a movie. It's It's half a movie. I'd like to make sure they, you know, I'm still burned by it. Chapter two. Part twos can kind of crash the whole thing. Um, I, I like Dune quite a bit. I thought there were bigger budget movies that might have even looked a little prettier. Um, it was very sandy. Uh, you know, it, it, let's just say it was no Army of the Dead. The, you know, the greatest movie <laughs> of 2021. Um, Army of the Dead. That's right. Tig Nataro made it to the Oscars. Yes. Oh, Never God. would have expected that. <laughs> um, I was very glad that Jane Campion won Best Director. Um I, I mean, yes. well-deserved. and I, I, I like this for so many reasons. I like it because 28 years ago, she lost to Steven Spielberg when she should mm-hmm. have won then for the best movie she's ever going to make. Uh, I, I understand why she doesn't win because of Schindler's List, but I still think that the piano is, the piano is, is an absolutely remarkable film. It's one of those, it's, I, I, it's, the, it's probably the film I'm most ashamed isn't in my sight and sound top 10 of all time list. Like it probably should be. Uh, it's an amazing film. Uh, and I'm, uh, yes, I'm glad she won for that. And beating Spielberg again, 28 years later, is kind of great. Uh, I, I, here's the historical thing I found interesting. I went down and I went, you'll be proud of me, Chris. I researched because I thought <laughs> this had to have happened, but I don't know how long ago. You know, the last time a film won one Oscar and that one Oscar was best director. What was it? Night 
1956. Wow. Giant, George Stevens, a film that was wow. for 10 Academy Awards and only one Best Director. And I want to think about this for a second. This is the Academy saying, you didn't have the best script. You didn't have the best cinematography. You didn't have the best acting. You didn't have the best anything. But what you had, you brought together better than anybody else brought that together. <laughs> it might be the highest compliment the Academy could possibly pay, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you didn't even make the best movie. But what you did, you brought all that together better than anybody else. You made more than the sum of the parts of your movie than anybody else. <laughs> your movie's not the best, but you are. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't. I don't, I can't remember the last time the Best Picture winner wasn't nominated for editing, (laughs) let alone Best Director. I'm like, how? Oh, please get rid of the preferential ballot. Please get rid of the preferential ballot. (laughs) Are there any other winners you want to talk about? Uh, Are there any other winners I want to talk about? Um, I will say this. If you want to understand how to deliver a political message at the Oscars, without in such a way that there is no way anybody can naysay or give you a hard time you study what ariana debose did oh she was, was fantastic fabulous yes. speech that was a fabulous speech um and the same is true for Questlove. Questlove gave the other best speech of the night mm-hmm. uh outside of troy uh as so far as he did the one thing look look everybody listen to me just listen to uncle perry for a second if you win an oscar the first thing you do is you thank by name and praise all of the other nominees in your category that is the coolest thing you can do <laughs> you don't just say i want to thank my other nominees you name them all right that's the key because after you do that you can do anything in a speech Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are good to go you need to recognize that this is part of a you are part of a group of people and you were lucky to win this (laughs) it is utterly random who wins these things it does not matter it matters for the business it's fun to talk about in the grand scheme of things it does not matter and every one of those people might help you make your next movie you thank and praise the work of your fellow nominees. Questlove, I think, was the only person that did that by name last night. That's why Questlove is awesome. Just one of the many reasons that Questlove is awesome. You're muted, Chris. I will also say that uh, Summer of Soul is another movie that my laptop crapped out on on the airplane. That I still need to see, and I know I need to see that one. That's on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Okay. Yep, it's on Hulu. I also think it's on Disney Plus now that I think about it. Oh, watch um, it on Hulu. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if I had any other thoughts about any of the winners, except, God, as much as I liked Encanto, Mitchell's versus the Machines was the better uh, animated movie. I need to see it. Everybody says this. I it's need to fun. See Mitchell's versus the Machines. It's a really cool, like, animation style, too, which I, you know, it doesn't have that slick Disney look, and I, I appreciated that. Um yeah, Encanto's fun, but it's one of those movies my kids have watched it 10 times like in the last month. They have literally watched, though, Turning Red every day for the last three <laughs> weeks. Turning Red is a weird one, man. I really <laughs> like Turning Red. That uh, is that is 
so close to being really great, <laughs> but it pulls away from me from being really great. Like <laughs> it's it's the, for me it's that Pixar issue of it's the, it's the Inside Out problem. Not that that's a problem, and I like Inside Out a lot better. But the animation is so good at this point. I don't I don't I don't need her to t- turn into a bear. I don't need the emotions to talk. That is true. Yeah. Tell me this story. Give me this story without that. Cause it's so powerful as is. I don't need it. If you gave me a Disney film about a girl starting to menstruate. Wow. Yes. You'd have the best. You'd have, you'd have my favorite Disney film in years, but because it's Just a Disney it film, straight. she has to be the bear. You gotta be a bear instead. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like, ah, it's like, why do you run up to this and run away from it? I just, I just, I, it's, I, and I know, I know why I get it. I'm not stupid, but I find it to be disappointing that not only then won't Disney do it, nobody else will pick up the mantle and do what Disney won't do. It seems like this, this market is there. You would be beloved if you did this. And I'm waiting for someone to come along and do it. I am waiting for, um, so the Oscars to realize animated films don't have to be kid films. Like yeah. I know Flea is nominated, but there was no way Flea was going to win. Um, yeah, that's but, a, that's another shame. Yes, that the they decided the animated film is only going to be a family film. Yeah. So, well, I think that's the Oscars. Uh, did we have anything else to talk about with the Oscars? No, or? I mean we clocked in at two hours and forty minutes shorter than the actual show. I think that's pretty good. That's great. We had success. <laughs> They should hire us next time. And nobody got hit. So really, it's a win-win. And we still got to mention the Speed Force. So that's what they really want. So <laughs> We're going to come back in a few weeks. And I'm just going to call this right here. We're going to do our Beatles episode in a few weeks. And uh, we, will, we will make sure we are talking about the very long but very good Beatles documentary on Disney+. Plus. But I think we also talked about doing a Hard Day's Night and throwing that in there as well since... I hadn't seen. I haven't seen that, and uh, so I'm just gonna toss that out there hard and put that. Night. We should definitely do a hard day's night, and if you feel if that so inspires you, we could do help at the same time. It might be fun to do a hard day's night and help as one episode. Something we'll see what about. we get to. We'll see what we get to, but Something we will do about. Beatles on the next one. I'm putting that line in the sand because it forces me to finish the Beatles, uh, to finish Get Back, and uh, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, and then we will get back to Altman, which I am really excited about yeah um because i think nashville is the next one we have yes. to do and I we will go that's right we're back. a little bit country and we're a little bit rock and roll over the next couple of episodes folks. <laughs> perry in the meantime where can people find you you can find me on facebook you can find me on twitter at perry loves film you can hear me every friday morning on the lucy and lance show on wlby in ann arbor uh you can hear me every once in a while on the cathode ray mission podcast and you can if you if you smell like fire like burning that is me furiously writing and erasing and writing and erasing uh my sight and sound top 10 films of all time ballot which i'm working on no i don't get to actually vote in it but i like to do it every 10 years <laughs> well that might be an episode i would love to do that episode i would love to do that episode i think it's what i think i i think it would be fun to ask some of our uh some of our colleagues to come on and go over i think that would be good sight and sound poll what would you vote for I think sometime this year we need to make that happen. And uh, that, 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 that would be fun. Um, well, I guess, well, I'll say where you can find me. 
Uh, you can find me reviewing movies right now at Cinema Nerds, uh, cinemanerds.com. That's nerds with a Z. Um, I have thoughts on there about Turning Red, about Deep Water, about Apollo 10 and a half. And later this week, I'll have my thoughts on The Bubble, uh, the new film from Judd Apatow. You can subscribe to my newsletter at criticisms.substack.com. This week, I'm starting a very ill-advised trip uh, in my franchise Fridays. Oh, no. Uh, what is we, happening? We are. Why are you going in yourself? I finished. I finished the the uh, Cornetto trilogy, uh, right. which was great. And you were absolutely right that uh, World's End is really good. Yeah, uh, I like that quite a bit. I am doing something that I am going to regret in a few weeks. <laughs> and that is, I am revisiting the View Askew universe. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> and I, I, I will just. It? What what is uh, what is this going to entail? Oh gosh, it's clerks, mall rats, chasing Amy, dogma, Jay and Silent Bob strike back, uh, clerks two, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, and then later, and then later this year, clerks three, um, and and my revisit to clerks confirmed this is going to be tough, so. Snoochie booches, everyone. <laughs> this is funny because I just rewatched Clerks a couple months ago. First time in a long, 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 long time. I um I appreciate Clerks. I think it gave Kevin Smith's voice his uh first opportunity to come out. I don't think I like clerks though. <laughs> there are parts I like, but oh, did I feel like it was a slog? Clerks is very Clerks doesn't uh, uh, Clerks is not timeless. I'll nope. leave it at that. Yes, exactly. I think Clerk, Clerks is still very entertaining if you give it the proper context of what it was and how it was mm-hmm. made and the point at which American independent cinema was when it was made. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a worthy film to talk about and to I, to revisit. There are much better films. There are two. There are two very good films on your horizon. <laughs> I also think it's very, and I think I have this in my in my piece. It's very good to watch when you didn't have the, you know, when it was like, wow, what can this guy do? You know, where can this guy go from here? And then we saw <laughs> he he had, you know, and it was a circle. It was uh, let, let's go right back it to clerks. It was a, it was a, it was a little hill. Yes. That then just plummeted down way below where it started. <laughs> yes. So subscribe to my free newsletter and read about clerks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we will be back in a few weeks to talk about the Beatles. I'll see you then, Perry. Get back, everybody. <laughs>